Well, good morning. Hey, this weekend, uh, Kasha and I have had a fantastic weekend because we had a weekend without kids. Come on now. Our students were all at youth convention, and so Kasha and I, we were really excited about that. It's like, man, no kids at home. I mean, we had the whole weekend planned. It was like, we're going to spend time together. We're going to do all these various things. And so I take my day off on Friday, so that gives us even a longer weekend. And so Friday, kids are gone. They're off to school. After that, they're going to they're gonna come home, and then they're going to leave and go straight to youth convention. So we're basically free to just have Kasha and Brian time. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great weekend. And we're just pumped about it, right? And so, so the weekend starts unfolding, and we're talking about things that we need to do. And, and, I, and I looked at Kasha, and I said, babe, I said, we need to tackle a project at home. And immediately she's like, not quite what I was thinking of the date weekend. Uh, we have the whole weekend off. We can spend time together. But, but what we did is we tackled our garage. And if you've ever seen our garage, you know this. There is no human way that you could even walk through it, actually. I mean, you could, but it was pretty difficult just to walk through it before. But there was definitely no way you could ever park a car in it. But I am here to tell you that on Friday we tackled that garage and her van is parked in the garage. Come on now. And it was, it was a lot of hard work. I mean, we, we, we have a, a huge pile of stuff to donate. We threw stuff in the church dumpster. Thank you, church. Um, I mean, like... We, we had all this stuff, right? And so we're in there all day long, and we're just going through things. And, and, and I have a hard time sticking to the task sometimes, so I get a little, un, you know, like kind of like a squirrel moment. And so there'll be something that needs to be fixed, and all of a sudden when I'm in the garage, it's like, oh, you know what? The, the sink, the, the, our little water, you know, like purifier thing has been really loose, and so I'm like, we need to fix that too. And it was a good distraction. And so, so instead of working on the garage, I get in there and working on that. We're doing all this stuff. And, but we got it done. But it took a lot of work. And it wasn't really the thing that Kasha and I wanted to do. I mean, come on. We have no kids. And I decide that we're going to clean the garage. Let's just say that's not a good thing on date weekend. Because here's the problem is that on Friday we clean the garage. But how many of you know there's things that have to be organized and put in the places where they need to go inside the house? And so once we got the garage done, there was a pile inside of the house of stuff that had to be taken care of. And so Saturday, the day when it's going to be date day, all day long, we have nothing going on. We're just going to hang out together. We'll go out to eat. We'll go on long walks in the rain. It's going to be fantastic. And yet, what do we do? We spend all day cleaning inside of the house, getting everything put in the right spots, getting rid of more stuff, clean out some things. Kasha comes into the closet, and in my closet, I had taken a bunch of my clothes, and I was like, these clothes don't fit me anymore because I'm too fat. And so they're just, they're frustrating. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand, but, but you know what I mean? Like, you're, <laughs> don't raise your hand. But you're like, you're in the closet, it's like you go to wear something, you're like, oh, this will look great, and you go to put it on, it's like, ugh, fat guy in a little shirt, it's like, it doesn't work. 
So I'm putting all these clothes, and so I'm like, I'm just going to clean it out because my mind is in clean-out mode, and so I'm cleaning stuff out. I'm putting everything in, organizing things, and Kasha comes in, and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, babe, I'm just I'm trying to, this isn't a good time for this, is it? And she's like, no, it's not a good time. There are other things still. We still have other things to do. I'm like, all right. And so I stopped, and so there's this big pile of clothes in, my, in our, in our um, what is it, our closet, which is like a bedroom in our house. And uh, it really is. It's, in fact, God, God really did bless us. Our, our, our old bedroom in our old house is the size of our closet right now. And uh, you may go, really? Yeah, it really is. So anyways, that's a total side note. But here's, here's what I want you guys to picture in for a minute, okay? Just come back with me for a moment. My ADD's in full swing. Um, in order to do the things that Kasha and I really wanted to do, we wanted to be together, we wanted to spend time together, but what I realized was there were other things that needed to be put in order in order for us to be able to spend that time together. You see, there are always things in life that will come at you, things that you don't want to do, but you need to take the time and the investment to make that happen. I can tell you this, we've been in our house over little over a year and a half, and it has been a year and a half of her not being able to park in the garage. So we went through the whole winter, all those things. In fact, before this winter, I was like, we're going to clean out the garage. And she just started laughing because she thought in her mind there's no way that could happen. So, so literally Saturday night, we went out and we had to clear the van because we had to go and get rid of the donation pile. And we give all of our donations to Blessings and More because we think Blessings and More is a great little thrift store shop. And if uh, that's a good place to be able to give, if you don't know where they are, they're downtown, and uh, they're a great place. And they have 99-cent clothes. Who, who gives clothes away for 99 cents? They do, and that's a great deal. So that's a great place to donate things. Little plug right there for blessings and more. Um, I know some of you are mad because you're like, I give to the Salvation Army. That's great. I give to Goodwill. That's great. Blessings and more is better. So... Um, <laughs> So anyway, so, so we're there, and we're, we're doing all that, and so, so it's date weekend, right? So we're going we're gonna to hang out that night, and literally, we're so tired by the end of it. I just look at her, and I'm like, what do you think? We went to Aldi's. We had done a little bit of grocery shopping, because that's what you do, too, when you're older and you're, you do grocery shopping. And so, so I looked at her, and I was like, why don't we just get a pizza and just come home and just eat pizza and watch TV? What do you think? And she's like, sounds good. So our date weekend without kids, was cleaning the garage, cleaning the house, returning things, grocery shopping, pizza on the couch. Now you may be sitting there going, Pastor Brian, why are you telling us all that? Just bear with me for a minute. You see, the mess that we created in the garage didn't happen overnight. The mess in the garage was a year and a half of me not dealing with the mess. And so what would happen is, is we would get something, and I didn't know where to store it, so I would just put it in the garage. I got a hot tub at the ReStore because I thought, man, this little hot tub will be great in our house. And I got it for 50 bucks, which was a fantastic deal. And so it sits in my garage for the last six months, this two-person little tub. And I think it's too big to take it downstairs, so I can't install it. And so I'm trying to get Kasha to let me rip open the floor in our bedroom and put it in there. And 
She doesn't like that idea. And so if you want it, it's yours for 50 bucks. Because here it sits. But here's the thing. All of that time and energy, we had to actually stop and not do something that we really want to do. And honestly, I can't think of another weekend where we would have the time to be able to invest into it like that. Because here's the thing. The mess that I created in the garage did not happen overnight. Some of us are in a mess in our lives right now. And I want to remind you of something as we talk about this today is that that mess that you find yourself in did not happen overnight. And so what it's going to require is it's going to require some hard work. It's going to require times where you're not going to do what you really want to do. You know what I want to do? I wanted just to hang out with my wife and not work on those things. I didn't want to be exhausted by the end of the day. I wanted just to be with her. But sometimes you have to do things because of the messes that you've created around you. Here at Bethany, we always talk about this, that we're bringing people one step closer. And when we think about being a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to remember that that means following God in all areas of our life. We talk about soaping, spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship. But there's a subject that I think many times we kind of steer away from in the church. And there's reasons, and we'll get to those here in a minute, because I think what has happened is through the years we've bought into lies. Lies that the enemy would love for you and I to believe. Every day people will gather around tables. Maybe this morning you gathered around a table and ate breakfast. Maybe this week you'll gather around a table and eat at work. Or you'll spend time around a table maybe with friends or family. But a lot of discussion and a lot of life takes place around the table. When I think about the table and think about us sitting around the table, there's always discussion that comes up around the table. Like, for instance, at Thanksgiving, you'll be sitting around the table, and probably one of the discussions that will come up will be this subject of money. Now, the way it comes up isn't that you just talk about money directly, but maybe for you, you'll talk about the government and, and the new report that just came out that said that literally in the United States, the U.S. government will be in debt $20 trillion. That's 20 with nine zeros after it. Look at your neighbor and say this, that's a lot of money. Now before you say, oh, well that's not my money, break it down by the average, <laughs> average U.S. citizen, and here's what that means is that you and I owe $56,867 each. Some of you are like, I'm not in debt for that amount, am I? I know, just wait a minute, wait a minute. Our government lives off of debt. In fact, society tells you that you and I should be in debt. It's just a part of life, right? Like, you live your life according to always owing money on something. That is what our culture is constantly trying to teach us. Just get more of it. It's no big deal. Someone will loan you the money. Someone, someone will give you a low interest rate on that. But here's the thing I want you to remember about the word interest. And Barry Cameron talks about it in his book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom. He says, when you think of the word interest, I want you to think of this. Someone else making money. 
That is what interest is, you know. Someone else is making money on you. Someone else is making money on the money that they've loaned you. Someone else is making money when it comes to interest. And so you may be sitting around the table and you may be thinking, you know what? Yeah, you know what? The government, they really need to get their act together. And then as soon as you're around the table, you're thinking about the government, your bad mouth and everything that's going on. You're hearing about Trump's, you know, reform and everything. And then now they're saying, the analysts are saying that, that the national debt will probably go to $25 trillion. $25 trillion. You think about what we're passing on to our kids. Think about that. But then soon, what'll happen is you'll be inundated by Black Friday sales. In fact, they say this, that on Thanksgiving alone this year, they're anticipating that $2.5 billion will be spent online on Thanksgiving. Now you don't even have to shop till you drop. All you have to do is move your fingers till you drop. You don't have to go out. You can just buy it. And I'll tell you, man, it... <laughs> okay, I just got to say this. My dad, one year <laughs> at Black Friday, decided to get all these great deals. And so he goes out and buys, like, all this stuff. It is like every day they are taking shipments to my dad's house, and there's boxes being dropped off every day. And at the end of it, he realized how much money he had spent, and he realized that he had gone in debt for it. <laughs> so he took it all back to the store because <laughs> he didn't want to be in debt. And so it took him more time because then he's having to send everything back and everything. I'm sorry, I think it's really funny in this moment because all I'm thinking about is how, how easy it is for each and every one of us to fall into that same pattern. We're sitting around the table, we're, we're buying things, it's no big deal. On, on Thanksgiving Day alone, or the day after Black Friday, they're saying $3.5 billion will be spent online. That doesn't include what's being spent inside of the stores. And our culture is constantly saying, just go in more debt, it's no big deal, just go in more debt, it's not a big deal. And then we think about generosity and we think about the Christmas season and isn't it all about giving and all about helping others? And you sit there and you may be sitting around the table and thinking, man, I, I would love to be more generous. But the reality of it is, is you can't be more generous because, well, you're like one of the average Americans who carries credit card debt, who owes on their car, who owes on their home. You owe on so many other things that when it comes to generosity, it's not that you don't want to be generous. It really boils down to the fact that there are other people already waiting in line. And so every month when you sit down and look at your finances, you look at them and you go, man, I, I just don't have the funds to be able to be generous. I can't help people who are in need around me. I can't, I can't give towards this organization. or I can't give towards God's work. I can't, I can't do those things because there are other people who are already in line. They say this about the average uh, consumer credit card debt. In America today, the average um, consumer credit card debt is $16,000 a person. Now, I know for some of us in, in the room today, you're sitting there like, that is crazy. Some of us, you're like, that ain't much. 
Because what has happened is, is we've bought into these lies that the enemy has tried to, to feed us, and the, the lies say something like this. It's no big deal to be in debt to another, but yet the scriptures have a lot to say about money. In fact, the word money is mentioned over 800 times in the scripture. The subject of money is the second most talked about in the entire uh, scriptures, is money. Why would that be? Why are some of us right now very uncomfortable when I say the word money? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says this, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Think about this for a minute. The rich rules over the poor, but the borrower is slave to the lender. Do you know what debt actually does is it causes you and I to live our lives not as free, but to live our lives as slaves. See, every month you're sitting there thinking about the people you have to pay. In his book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom, which is a book that's been rocking my world right now. It's a pastor out of Texas who writes this book about how he and his family have lived a life of financial freedom. And he challenged his entire church to live a life of financial freedom. And he talks through what it has done for his life. He talks through what it's done for his church, what it's done for his community. He talks about the freedom that comes in your finances when you're not the slave to the lender. Could you imagine if this month, just imagine with me for a moment, if this month you did not have to pay anyone else a penny would you do with your money? What if you didn't have to pay GM or Chrysler or whoever the local credit union is for your car payment? What if you didn't have to pay Visa or MasterCard? What would life be like for you if you weren't in debt to others? Now before you sit here and think, oh, here we go. Here's Pastor Brian talking about money. I want to share with you three lies that sound like truth. And then after that, I want to share with you three truths that can actually sound like a lie. The first lie that I want to talk to you about is this. It's the lie that all the church talks about is money. All the church talks about is money. See, the reality is, is that the church actually doesn't talk enough about money and actually how to manage it wisely. It's part of the reason why I think we're messed up both locally and nationally when it comes to money. In the book, The Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid, Peter Grandish writes this, and this is a guy who has seen a lot of financial wealth really poured into his life. Like, he's really seen God bless him. He writes this, he says, I get my financial guidance from the Bible. He goes on to say this, money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Money is mentioned more than 800 times, and the message is clear. Nowhere in Scripture is debt viewed in a positive way. But yet we, the church, in many ways have become silent on this subject of money. I think it's because we've bought into this lie, and I'll be honest with you, I've bought into it. I think about the times where I've talked about money, even here at Bethany. I've been here, it'll be, well, coming on almost two years. 
And I think about the messages I've shared and, and the times where I've talked about money, and honestly, I have not talked about money very much. A lot of times it's because I'm worried about you believing this lie, that all we want to talk about is money. And I was wrestling with the Lord on this subject because I felt like the Lord was saying, Brian, I want you to talk about this prior to Thanksgiving and prior to Christmas. And I was kind of arguing with the Lord, like, God, like, we, we don't talk about it then. We talk about it in January. That's when everybody wants to talk about money and health and all those things. And the Lord was like, yeah, so after everyone makes a mess of their finances, then let's talk about it. I hope today that you walk out of here today actually going, man, you know what? I can do this. I hope that hope rises up inside of you, that you'll walk out of here saying, no, I can be free and I can be not the slave to the lender. Now, here's what I want to remind you. Remember, it takes time. You didn't get there overnight. You didn't make the mess overnight. It could be a year and a half worth or more of you stuffing stuff in the garage making bad choices along the way. And I sit there and I think about these lies that the enemy wants us to believe, this lie that all the church wants to do is, you know, all the church talks about is money. But the thing is, is the church needs to talk about money. So what needs to change? Well, there's this idea of our attitude that needs to change. You see, each and every one of us have a certain attitude towards our finances, when you hear the word money, in fact, some of you today, you're already offended, you're already, you're already sitting down, and part of it could be because, well, there's some areas that you need to work on. How are you doing in regards to your money? In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David, uh, King David, is the man who this passage is actually referring to, and we were actually soaping on him this week, and it says this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10 through 16. It says, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our Israel, our Father, forever and ever is yours. O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, and what should be able thus to offer willingly? He goes on to say this, For all things come from you, and of you, your own, have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand, and it is all your own. In this text, what David is acknowledging is he's acknowledging the sovereignty of who God is. He's talking about how God is in everything. You may not realize this, but, but David actually wrote in Psalms chapter 24 as well. He said, the earth is the Lord and everything in it 
in the world and all who live in it. He's saying that everything comes from God's hand and is ultimately under his control. We find the same thing in the New Testament in James chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, for every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This means that God is the same all the time. He is good, he's reliable, and he wants the best for you and I. But here's the question. How are you going to approach money? Are you going to approach it God's way, or are you going to fall in line with how society approaches it? Because your attitude towards money determines much of what you'll experience with money. Bill Hybels, in his book called Simplify, writes this. He says, debt by definition comes from wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging other ways to get it. Think about that for a minute. Debt by definition comes from wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging other ways to get it. You see, I think for many of us in the room, we buy into this lie that debt is the way that we should go. In fact, our attitude is like, debt's no big deal. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, everyone's in debt. Come on, Pastor Brian. Everyone lives their life in debt. And yes, most people in our society do live that way. But how many believe that as followers of Jesus, we're actually called to be set apart? that we're not supposed to be like the world, that, that actually the word of God we've seen already actually says that we're actually to not be the slave to the lender. We're actually to be the lender. We're to be the ones who have the resources. But what it's going to take is it's going to take us saying no to lies that we've been taught for years. So the lie of the church, all they talk about is money. That's a lie. What you and I should be saying is the church should be talking more about money. Pastor Ron, who is on staff here, and he's just an amazing man of God, and I love Pastor Ron. He preached a few weeks, weeks ago, and he just did an amazing job. I was telling him that as he was sharing his heart and just hearing his passion, and he's one of those guys that you love having on the team, and one of the reasons why I love him is because he always is one who brings about this wisdom with him, and can I just say to the older people in, in here, we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom. We need your voice that matters. And Pastor Ron was sharing with me. He said, Pastor Brian, he's like, you've got to talk about money. For months now, he's been saying, Pastor Brian, you've got to talk about money. You're doing a disservice to our church body by not talking about it. But I've been wrestling with it because I even buy into the lie. Oh, I don't want people to think that all we want is their money. But the truth of it is, is we, the church, should be talking more about it. If the scriptures talks about it the, more than any other subject apart from love, then guess what? We should talk about it here in the church. We should, as the body of Christ, be individuals who are living in financial freedom, not in financial debt. Here's the lie number two. Lie number two is that money and material things can satisfy me. I, I'm really surprised by how many of us have actually bought into this, but not too surprised. Because I've seen where Kasha and I throughout the years have even bought into that same idea. Not that it could make us happy, but, but there is something to be said where it's like, man, I, stuff satisfies to a degree till uh, you have to clean it out, till you have to find a spot for it, 
till you start realizing that stuff has actually made you a slave because now you have the nice car, but now you've got a, the car payment that goes with it. And I'm not, please don't, don't misunderstand me in where I say that nice stuff. I'm not saying nice stuff. But listen, there's a process to how we get things. Culture says, if you want it, just go get it. And if you don't have the money for it, then just charge it. But at the end of the month, your good intention of paying the credit card off doesn't happen many times. And the reason it doesn't happen is because you're living outside of your means. You're, you're not trusting God to supply those things. You're looking to money and material things to satisfy you. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. Think about it. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Money won't satisfy you. Having more things won't satisfy you. What we need to do is we need to change our attitude and we need to say money and things will never satisfy us. Only God can do that. The third lie that sounds true is it's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. It's my money. I can do whatever I want with it. Pastor Brian, don't tell me what to do with my money. It's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. Can I just remind you of something? It's not your money, it's God's. It really is. The truth is, is that everything you and I have comes from God. We're simply managers of it. Earlier we had the scripture verse Psalms 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Luke chapter 12 tells the parable of, of the rich uh, fool, and it says this in verse 16, and he told them a parable. This is Jesus speaking now. He says, the land of a rich man produced plentiful, and he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required for you and the things you have prepared, wh whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Do you know anyone like this? Someone who's just been storing things up. We, we could come up with names of celebrities, but on a smaller scale, we could p find people with uh, this attitude, even in our own community, where all they're doing is they're, they're just constantly storing up. Notice Jesus doesn't condemn the man's account. He condemns his attitude. Whether we have a little or a lot, we need to change our attitude to be a mindset that says, no, God, I've been entrusted with these resources. I will be a good steward with them. Everything we have has really been given to us on a temporary loan from God. It's our privilege to be faithful managers of the resources that he's entrusted. And when you think about that, when you begin thinking, it's not my money, but it's his, and I'm, a, you know, I'm trying to be a good steward of it, it changes the way that you spend your money. Because then you start thinking, no, 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 I'm supposed to be faithful with this. I'm supposed to be one who's being faithful and not finding myself getting into debt. 
So those are three lies, but let me share with you three truths. And I love this first one. The first truth is this, is God is the one who gives us the, the ability to produce wealth. Ultimately, everything we have and need comes from him. God's the one. God is the one who's given you and I everything we need. He's the one who's given us the ability to produce the wealth. And ultimately, he's given us everything that we have. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 says this, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. He goes on to say this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He goes on to say, And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them, and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall perish. Now think about that. How many times do we go after other gods? Wealth, things, status. But then he says this, he says, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Listen, when I think about where Kasha and I have been in our lives financially, and I think about the blessings that God has given to Kasha and I, I mean, we have seen God's blessing on our lives in, in just extreme favor. But also along the way, we've made some bad choices. I wish I could stand in front of you like Barry could. And if Barry was standing here, the author of this book, he would stand in front of you and he would say, my whole entire family, we're debt-free. My kids are debt-free. My church is completely debt-free. I can stand in front of you and I can say one part of that story. I can say our church is completely debt-free. Praise God. We owe not a penny to anyone. We, 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 don't, we're not, we don't owe anything to anyone. Except for, I, and I, I had to say this first gathering, we do have a copier that's on lease. And so we do have one person that we're slave to, and uh, they do charge us a lot. In fact, the other day, the copier wasn't working right. <clears throat> and I was like, can we send that sucker back? And they're like, nope, we got three more years on it. I'm like, ugh, we're slave to it. Stupid thing doesn't work right. I apologize, my voice is just killing me. Um, no, I don't want that. I think it made it worse. Because <laughs> my nose is running, my throat, ugh, everything. Thanks, babe. You kissed me this weekend. Kids away from home weekend. So, anyways, so, okay, so, hey, let me go back to notes. Okay, Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Think about this for a second. If you will seek God first, then all those things will be added to you. If you'll seek God first in your finances, if you'll seek God first in your family, you'll be able to stand and say, you know what, I'm not slave to other people. I don't have to worry about my money going to others. And the thing I want us to be encouraged in is this, is I believe God has called us to live that way. So truth number two is this, is that God has the power to shut down my company 
my business and dry up my source of income at a moment's notice. That's a truth, and sometimes we can look at it and go, no, that's a lie, but it's not. The truth is, is God has the power to shut down your company, your business, to dry up your source of income at any moment's notice. If you remember the story in this Old Testament about King Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three guys who were challenged to bow down be, before a giant idol that had been created. But, but the story goes that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse. So the king gets really mad. He turns up the fire, and he casts Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. But God saves them, pulls them from that, and, and so they end up experiencing like the blessing of God. God pulled them out of that moment. And King Nebuchadnezzar is like, he is so dumbfounded by this moment that he says, their God must truly be the true God. And so what he says is he says, everyone across the land, you must follow their God. So in Daniel chapter 2, he's making these declarations. But in Daniel chapter 4, the scriptures tell us this, that the king begins experiencing the blessings of God. In fact, for a year, he experiences the blessings of God over the entire nation. Why? Because he's told them to follow the one true God. They're experiencing all of this. And all of a sudden, in Daniel chapter 4, the king starts thinking that it's him. The king starts going, man, look what I've done. Look at what our nation is doing. And instead of giving credit to God, he starts taking credit for himself. And the scriptures tell us this, that it's in that moment that king ends up, ends up losing everything. That God takes from him the very thing that God had given to him. He started thinking, man, look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. And I think for some of us, we can begin thinking that same thing. Maybe, maybe you're financial picture right now looks really good. You got a good storehouse. You got retirement. Man, you've seen God's blessing on your life. But can I remind you of who gave you those blessings? Because it's not that all of us are in debt. It's not even that. It's what are you doing with the finances that God's entrusted you with, and who do you believe owns that? Who is the one who's taking care of those things? King Nebuchadnezzar, this powerful king, ends up becoming a raving maniac, digging through the garbage for food, is what the scriptures tell us. So before you start thinking that it's yours, understand this, that it's ultimately God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The idea here is that we don't need to worry much about the economy, about the stock market, as much as we need to focus in on the priorities that honor God and please God. You and I have been given promises that we can walk out in our lives. And those promises are that you and I can actually be free from the debtor. But it takes hard work. It takes time. It takes us really focusing in to where we can get to a place of financial freedom. Truth number three is giving to God is the only way out of my financial problem. This is a hard one because a lot of people are like, wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. Why, why would I give? But here's, here's what I know happens. See, when we, when we live 
our lives with, with very little margin, what happens is, is financially in our lives, we, we kind of get to that place where we, where we know we can bring enough to keep our obligations going. And, and, and there are different places where, where people will be at, and we'll kind of talk through that in a moment. But, but maybe right now, when you were to look at your finances, this is what happens. You sit down every month, and you go to pay your bills, and you're like, okay, I got to pay my mortgage. That's an important one to pay right off the bat, because you're like, I need my house. Then you go, but I, need, I also need my car because i got to be able to get to work, so you pay that one next. And then, you, then you're like, man, I need to have electricity, so you pay those, you pay those, and then you start paying your credit cards, and then, and then you're paying everything, and all of a sudden you get down to the bottom, and if there's money left, you're like, oh, fantastic, this month I can give to God. But what happens is, is when we live with such little margin, many times what happens is, is is we start going, well, God knows where I'm at. But yet God is saying to you and I, and this is, this, is a, this is a big thing, he's asking you to make right choices on the front end so that you don't get yourself into those problems. It's trusting God first in your finances and saying, you know what, I'm going to give first. Now, listen, I'm not saying that for my benefit. I'm saying that for your benefit. If there's one thing I can stand in front of you and proudly say, I can say this. Kasha and I have always tithed and always given to God first. It has been a part of our life from day one since we got married. We have lived that out. Now, have we always made good financial choices along the way? No. Can I stand in front of you and say we're completely debt-free? No. Can I stand in front of you and say we're on a journey and we're going to get debt-free? Yes. I can. My heart is being challenged so much in this season right now. And Kasha and I have been talking a lot about this. Like, this is an area in our lives where we have to, we have to work. And I was telling someone in between gatherings, I said, you know, it's interesting because I think in my mind what had happened was I started thinking, well, God's blessing me with all these good deals. So I would go to, like, thrift stores and different places and find these good deals. And I always had great intentions. I'd be like, oh man, I can get this. And, and I'd see some of you at the thrift store and I say, yes, you got it. But here's the thing. Some of us have an addiction and I'm one of them. I'm addicted to a good deal. And what happened is instead of me putting money on my car so I could pay my car payment off quicker, I just said, no, I'll just give, I'll, just, I'll pay my minimum, what my car payment is, it's no big deal. And so you just keep that going. And so then I, that way I can go and spend more money on other things and get these good deals, quote unquote, instead of living like no one else and saying, you know what, during the season, I don't need to. Yeah, so my clothes may be a little tight. Maybe I should stop eating, which would save me more money. <laughs> all those things, they could all come together. Hmm. But the thing is, is where are my priorities? What's my attitude towards money? If my attitude is, well, hey, listen, I just, you just, in society, you just live in debt. That's just how it is. Do you see what I'm saying? Your attitude towards money is what determines how you use your money. When your attitude is, well, it's just, I'll just be in debt the rest of my life. I'll always have a car payment. I'll always have a house payment. I'll always have this type of payment. No. What if God's people were different? What if the next time a missionary came into the church and he spoke about a need, you were able to write the check for the need? How cool could that be? How cool would it be if at the end of the month you didn't sit down and you go, oh, you know what, whatever's left over, I'll give to the Lord. What if you gave God first? 
You trusted God first in your finances and said, no, I'm going to give my way out of this. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Come on, the measure you use of giving towards others will be given back to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. <laughs> you see, what we have to understand is our attitude towards money matters. Listen, you're never going to spend yourself out and spend yourself to financial freedom. You'll never borrow your way to financial freedom. These are in your notes if you're writing to write these things down. You won't cheat your way to financial freedom. You won't steal your way to financial freedom. You won't beg your way to financial freedom. You won't gamble your way to financial freedom. You won't. You'll never get there by taking a shortcut. It's gonna take hard work it's gonna take time. It's gonna take you being diligent about going after it, but you can get to that place where you can have financial freedom. And here's what it looks like. If you trust God and you give faithfully, that will provide financial freedom. If you trust God and you give faithfully, that will provide financial freedom in your life. See, the next four weeks or three weeks after this week, we're gonna continue digging in. But this week, we're really focused in on what is your attitude towards the money. Next week, we'll talk about bondage and what it looks like to be in bondage. But here's what I wanna tell you. Your attitude towards money matters because you're gonna be sitting around the table this season. And people are gonna talk about all these different things. Maybe they'll be talking about the new iPhone X. $1,000 for a cell phone. You can go buy a car from Jerry Moore. It, it's a good car from Jerry Moore for $1,000 instead of buying an iPhone X. And I know he'll finance you, but go in there and pay cash. Here's what I want to tell you. If you trust God and you give faithfully, you'll get to that place where you'll have financial freedom. It's impossible to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus without becoming a fully devoted steward of the resources he's entrusted you with. God has given you and I resources, but he's asking you and I, what is your attitude towards the resources that I've given you? Proverbs 17, says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Listen, you and I can be joyful in the area of finances. Why? Because if we trust God, we give faithfully, then what happens is God comes in and he says, I got you. Yeah, it's gonna be hard work to get out of that. Remember early on, I talked about how Kasha and I had to, spend our date weekend cleaning the garage, cleaning the house. It's because for 
over a year, instead of me dealing with the issue, I just kept throwing stuff in there. Each and every one of us have different pictures, quote unquote, of your financial life right now. Maybe some of you, your financial life looks like that of a sunset. Picture this for a minute, like at a sunset, there's like, just there's freedom in it, right? Like you just, you look out at a sunset and it's like, there's no worries. Maybe financially for you right now, that's where you're at. Like you have good amount of money in the bank account. You've got a good retirement. You're, you're just in a good spot right now financially. And, and it's like you have peace like that of a sunset. And if that's where you are, I just want to say, man, great job. And let me help remind you too that there are others around you who need the encouragement to get to that spot where you are. But maybe others of you, maybe you feel a little bit like Kosh and I, like, like it's almost like the picture isn't the sunset. It's like this busy, crowded city. Can you picture that for a minute? And there's people going everywhere and it's just busy. There's just so much going on. And that's how your finances feel right now. It's not that you can't pay your bills, but, but you're able to and it just feels busy though. And it's just like, you're just always doing this and this and you're always trying to make these pieces happen and you're moving money here and you're, you're making this and, and you're making your payments and things are there, but, but it's not that freedom like a sunset. And then maybe others of you, your, your picture doesn't look like a crowded city. Maybe it looks more like a tornado. It feels like your finances are just a mess. You're, you're just trying to pick up the pieces and you're like, I just, I don't even know what to do. I can't pay this person. I don't know what to do here. I just don't know what to do. And your, your finances just in a way feel, feel hopeless. No matter what picture you're in, know this. Everything you have, God has given it to you. And if God has given you all the things that he has and he's a good father, if you will begin putting the hard work in and you'll begin denying yourself on some other areas, I believe that you can get to that sunset picture like the Lord wants for you. Because I believe every person in this room, that's what God desires. Kasha and I believe in it. We believe that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And, and so what Kasha and I are doing is we're actually this week, you'll be getting this next Sunday, you'll get a copy of this because we wanna sow this into your life. And so Kasha and I are giving to Kingdom Builders and Kingdom Builders is, is providing this book for you because we believe that you and I can actually have financial freedom. Do you know what will change our lives? is when we're financially free. When we're no longer in debt. Listen, our young people need to know that the world's standard, oh, just go out and buy it, it's no big deal. Just go into debt. No, that's not what God wants. God wants us not to be the borrower. He wants us to be the lender. How attractive would the gospel be if the church was filled with people who were living debt-free lives, experiencing God's blessings on their lives? Some of you can't even serve the way that you want to serve in the kingdom of God because financially you are so in debt to others. And God wants you to be free from that. So the next three weeks, we're going to be giving you some practical tools of how to do that. This book will be one of them. But today, I want to deal with the first of the ABCs, and that is our attitude. 
So across this room, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Here's the question. How's your attitude towards money? Have you almost in a way given up? That's just how it goes. You gotta have it, no big deal. You'll be in debt the rest of your life. Is your attitude that it's God's or do you think it's all what you've done? What you've earned? How's your attitude? I believe today that God is creating a a moment, a mark for you right now to begin something new and afresh in your life. A moment for you to say, from this moment forward, I am going to choose to put God first. From this moment forward, I'm going to choose to, to live a life that will not be filled with debt, but a life that will actually move upon the promises of God that says he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, that I will do the hard work. I'll make the investment. So Father, I just ask that right now across this room that hope would rise in the hearts and lives of individuals sitting across this room. God, I I know that there are various financial pictures. God, some, it is a sunset, and God, we rejoice in that, but I pray that for those, God, that they would, their attitude would still be one of saying, no, it's God who's given me this blessing in my life. And God, I pray that something would rise up inside of them to actually help and teach others. God, for those who are maybe, they're, they're holding according to their, 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 commitments and things, but God, it's just crazy. It's hectic and all that. God, I pray right now that you would calm their spirits, calm their minds, and I pray that you would help them to begin to put the game plan in place, God, to begin to provide financial freedom to them. And I pray that today you would begin to adjust their attitude towards money, recorrect, reframe some of our attitudes towards money. God, for those who maybe right now they feel like things are like a tornado, just feels like it's devastating all around them. I pray, God, right now that you would give them hope. God, I pray that right now, God, you would give them hope, God, that they can have a bright future, God, that their past will not dictate, God, their future. But God, no, you have a plan and purpose. And, but God, it's gonna take hard work. God, it's gonna take, it's gonna take investment. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take energy from us. So I just pray, God, that something would rise up inside of us right now. It'd be that hope that would rise up where our attitude would be one of, no, God's got this. Our attitude would be one of, God is my supplier. He's the one I'll look to. God, our attitude would be one that would say, my heart and desire is to one day be the one who is actually the lender, not the debtor. Father, I pray that we would have freedom. And so, God, I know in this room, God, it's hard for some of us to even think of being debt-free. But I pray that something would rise up inside of them. Their attitude would change. They would say, no, 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 that can be my story. God, I speak against generational curses. I speak against generational mindsets that have said, no, you'll always be in this state of your life. No, I pray, God, that there would be a change that would happen in their attitude towards money. And God, that from this day forward, they would walk in freedom, the freedom that you have called them to. I pray for our young people, God, that even them who are hearing this message, that they would choose to live a different life. 
They would choose not to to say, no, I need it now, but God, they would actually work towards that. God, they would put the time and the investment, they would save. And God, that we would see your blessings bestowed upon our lives because why? We would trust you in the area of finances. God, do that inside of each and every one of us. God, turn our hearts towards you. God, give us hope in the midst of these circumstances right now. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you are with us. God, we thank you that you have gone before us. And we thank you, God, that you're going to help us in this chapter of our lives as we walk out financial freedom. Thank you for moments that we'll gather around the table. And we can have real discussions about real subjects that are around us. In Jesus' name.